thank you that your spirit has adopted us into this family. We get to cry out, Daddy God, Abba Father. Thank you that you're here in this place right now. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help even remove some of the maybe distractions and things that we've brought in here with, the, the things from this week that we're looking back at, the things next week that we're, that we're feeling anxious about. I pray in this moment we would have a sacred space to interact with the living God. And that you would do something in our lives to utterly change and transform us. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Vince. Hi, everybody. My name is Kenny. If you haven't met yet, I'd like to meet um, for the end of the day. Uh, it's really good to be with you all. Um, before I start, can we give a hand clap to the worship team for leading the worship? That is so awesome. Thank you so much for uh, leading our church in that today. Um, and I also want to thank all of you guys. I was, uh, many of you know, uh, Hannah and I were gone last week. Uh, there was a, a tragedy in my family. My cousin passed away. And uh, I just want to thank you guys all so much for um, all the words, kind words, and, and texts, and mainly prayers that you guys have lifted up for, uh, for uh, our family and for me. And uh, just really appreciate that. Uh, like Vince was saying, we, we uh, celebrate together and we work together, and I really feel like that uh, here with my church. excited. Thank you so much. Um, as Vince said, we're going to jump into John chapter 9, and I'm going to ask Katie to come on up, and she's going to read. And uh, it's going to be a little bit different today because um, if you've been here, you realize that uh, we just finished John chapter 8, and we did three sermons in one chapter, and today we're going to do one chapter and one sermon. So we got, she's got, I've given her the big task of reading like, you know, a whole long chapter. So if we can, uh, if you can, turn on your attention cap. It's, it, it goes by really quick because it's one big story and it all fits together. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to turn over to Katie to read. Thanks. So, John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, you must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said this, he spit on the ground and made some mud with saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them. Wash in the pool of Solon. This world word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging. Asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am a man. How then were your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was the Sabbath. Therefore the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others asked, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? So they were divided. Finally, they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. The Jews still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he's our son, the parents, the parents answered, and we know he's not blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews. For already the Jews had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Christ would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said he is of age. Ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? <laughs> then they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly man who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Oops. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, so that the blind will see, and those who see will become blind. Some Pharisees who were with him heard him say this and asked, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you can see, your guilt remains. All right. Amen. Let's Reading projects there. Anyone ever nervous to reading class in school when you're in school? She just like killed it. Thank you so much. This is God's word, and uh, there's uh, a lot going on here, um, and I don't want to rehash the whole story. Um, but today, I do want to focus on this concept that Jesus draws out. Jesus uses this whole situation, uh, healing and the conversation with the Pharisees to, to draw out this concept of spiritual blindness. And so today I do want to talk about spiritual blindness and how that affects us, but I want to begin talking about um, a story that involves physical blindness. So some of you guys know um, I have a, a day job for a foundation uh, that funds research. And so what we do is we fund research to find cures for genetic vision disorders. So that means someone who's born with, in their genes, something that causes them not to be able to see or to be legally blind or something that affects their vision. And um, I don't do the research there. I just, 
help raise the money to get the research done. Um, but in the course of that work, I met a really remarkable individual named Jeremy. And uh, he is uh, not much, he's not 26 years old. He's a world blind golf champion. So maybe you think blind golf. What's that? <laughs> I, I, I hadn't heard about it. He hadn't heard about it either before he went blind because, get this, he had 20-20 vision until he was a sophomore, 19 years old at San Diego State, and he noticed the sign looked blurry, so he went to go to the eye doctor. Within two months, he had lost his central vision, and he was legally blind. He had to give his parents back his keys to his car. He couldn't drive anymore, and he had a series of depression, and then um, when he kind of was coming out of that, his mom mentioned, hey, there's blind golf. And he got into that because he used to golf every Sunday with his dad when he had vision, when he had sight, but then he hadn't been golfing. And uh, anyway, so the way it works is they don't just set you loose out there and you get to you know, wherever. Um, you, you get a guide. So each player has a guide, and because he used to go every Sunday with his dad, his dad is now his guide. And you should see it. It's just amazing. We, we filmed a video of him, and I got to see him hit a ball. And I think he, like, I think his handicap, I don't know how to say this, I think his handicap is eight. I think So I think he, like, averages around 80 strokes, which is just, like, eight over par, which is insane. I used to play, I played golf for years, and I never, like, broke 95. Yeah. <laughs> and, and here he is, legally blind, like, can't see my face looking at me and shooting an 80 on the golf course. Truly uh, an amazing, incredible, inspirational story. And here's the thing, though, about Jeremy that's really inspiring, is that he's living within reality. So he, he used to be able to see, but now he can't. He can't see. Um, even when I met him, he can kind of see peripheral. I remember he looked up, and he's like, nice beard. <laughs> that's what he saw. Right? But he, he's living within the reality now, though, that he can't see. And he realizes that he needs someone to guide him on the golf course, right? Because he, he can't do it alone, right? Imagine if he wasn't living in the reality of his blindness. Like, what if he woke up one morning and said, you know what? I think I can see 2020. It's time for a round of golf, right? Oh, I don't need the guy. I'm good. Right? So he goes out to the golf course, tees up. All right, so what's going to happen? He's not going to get 80. <laughs> He's not going to get 80. Is he going to even make it to the hole? Probably not. If you were on that golf course playing, would you be mad at him? Would you be in danger? Because he was not living in the reality that he, that he doesn't have sight. Right? So he, he's living in reality, and it's amazing, and we can appreciate that. But what if he said to himself, I think I can see again. Right? First of all, he wouldn't do that well, plus he would put others in danger. Right? Imagine even more if he decided to drive by himself to the golf course. Yeah. That would be bad. Right? <laughs> right? It would be bad for him because he wouldn't get to the course, and it would be bad for anyone else on the road between him and the course, right? Because it's dangerous because he can't see. Right? Here's the danger about spiritual blindness. And I love that Jesus highlights this danger about spiritual blindness. Is that we can be completely blind spiritually and yet thinking that we see 2020. Yeah. 
We can be completely blind spiritually and yet thinking that we can see 2020. Like the Pharisees in this story, they're, they're not a random group. They're, they're the group that was supposed to know the most about the law. They were supposed to know the most about God. They were teaching other people how to follow God and what it means to live for God. And yet they're the ones that Jesus says, you're blind. You're sorely mistaken. In fact, you're looking right at me and you can't see me. Right? That's the danger of spiritual blindness. Jesus in John 8 said, so this is the chapter right before here, uh, kind of begins the chapter by saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And as we see in this story in John chapter 9, it's, it's kind of continuing the same theme. And you see, they see a man who they know has been born blind, he's been blind his whole life, and they ask these questions, who sinned, was it his fault, or was it his parents? And Jesus says to his own disciples, you're asking the wrong questions, you're looking for someone to blame, and you should be looking for what God can do, right? But then he goes on, and he heals him, he does a miracle that no one's ever seen before. Yeah. Kind of why I, I kind of love that I get to talk about this this week is my work at my day job is that they're trying to find cures for kids who haven't seen before, right? And here I'm preaching about Jesus doing a miracle to a man who's never seen before. And no one else has seen this kind of miracle before. And yet, the Pharisees' response, there's a mixed response, but the Pharisees' response becomes a picture of spiritual blindness that Jesus uses to tell us a story and to give us a warning. Jesus uses not only the miracle that he's done in this man's life to give God the glory, but he also uses the response of the Pharisees to this miracle to say, hey, look out. There's a danger to thinking you can see, claiming you can see, but not really seeing the light of the world when he's right in front of you. Why does he say they're spiritually blind? I love what the man says in the middle of a chapter. And they're saying, you know, give glory to God. Because this man, talking about Jesus, he's a sinner. Right? Don't give glory to Jesus. Give glory to God. And the man replies, the man who's been healed. Well, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Uh, one thing I know, I was blind. Now I see. Right? And he's standing there before him, and it's been verified with his family. It's been verified with the people in the community. Everyone around him knows that, yeah, that's the guy, right? He was blind a few hours ago uh, for his whole life leading up to that point. And now he's here and he can see, right? And when he says that, the Pharisees are looking at an inexplicable, right, miracle, but it's also undeniable. They've never seen it before. I don't know how to explain it. But I also can't deny it because he's standing right here. And yet, what is their response? This can't be from God. No, we know what God's like. Yeah, he doesn't work like this. He wouldn't help someone on the Sabbath. He was really from God. Right? So they're looking at something that's inexplicable and undeniable, and yet they're explaining it away. 
And then also, they've already decided, the passage says, they've already decided in their heart what to do with Jesus. And what to do with someone who says, yeah, I think he's the Christ. I think he's the Savior. They would be excommunicated. Right? So why does Jesus say they have spiritual blindness? Because they're looking at something they can't deny that Jesus has done, and they're explaining it away. And they've already decided in their hearts what they think about Jesus. So they're not open to what he does. And today, today, we are in the danger of doing the same thing. We're in danger of looking at this passage about Pharisees from 2,000 years ago, give or take, and saying, man, look at the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees. They didn't even know who Jesus was. That's crazy. Glad I know. All right, next chapter. All right? Or we're in danger of saying, well, yeah, the, the world is under spiritual blindness, and all of us without Jesus are spiritually blind. And Vince wrote a few weeks ago about how we can either be ignorant or arrogant. Either we just don't know about Jesus, or we've heard about him, we've already decided. But there is this spiritual blindness where we try to decide what's right and wrong for ourselves, and we deny that God has the knowledge of good and evil. And that he is the source of life and has life and wants life for us. And there's that kind of spiritual blindness that's kind of broader about the whole world. So maybe it's not in the past, but it's right now, it's the whole world. But here's the danger we're in today. We're in danger of not seeing that we're spiritually blind. Yeah. At some time or another, or some area of, of another in our lives, we all experience spiritual blindness. <laughs> and the danger is saying, claiming the seat. No, I can see just fine. Yeah. I've already decided. Right? We're all in danger of having already decided about something in our lives. And if Jesus disagrees with what we've already decided is right and wrong, or if Jesus disagrees with what we've already decided is what's best for us, then we stare straight at something that is inexplicable and undeniable, and we explain the way. Just kind of sweep it under the rug. Yeah, I know that it's very clear that Jesus said this, but <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't agree with it. We are all in danger, church. Yeah. Friends, church, people who follow Jesus, we're all in danger of being a blind person that claims to see. We're all in danger of claiming to know the light of the world and yet walking in darkness in one area of our life or another. Yeah. Can I get a hurtful amen? Amen. <laughs> Sorry if that's wounding, but it's just what God's put on my heart and, 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 and trust me that that I feel this too, that I feel this danger, hopefully even more so as someone who's been called to stand up and preach about this truth, even more so I have the danger of thinking that I can see, claiming that I can see, and really walking in darkness. Maybe you're here and you're, maybe you didn't give me that hurtful amen, and you're like, well surely not, surely not. I mean I can see it in the story, and I can see it in, for others, but where am I spiritually blind? Nothing strikes me right now. Where am I spiritually blind? 
How do you know if you're experiencing, experiencing spiritual blindness? How do you know? Take one question. Um, a line of questioning that's really helpful is to say this. How do you know when you're experiencing spiritual blindness? Where am I arguing with Jesus? Where am I arguing with Jesus? Where am I turning the light off? Right? He's the light of the world. He's come to us who are in darkness and blind without him. And he's offering us light and life instead of darkness and death. Where am I arguing with Jesus? Where am I turning the light off? And here's what I'm saying. I'm not talking about wrestling with Scripture, trying to get to the bottom of a certain doctrine that you're not sure of, or studying and trying to find out. But what I'm talking about is denying what God has made undeniably clear. Where am I arguing with the light of the world? I mean, that's the point that we see in this story. Jesus is standing before them. He's clearly done a miracle that has to be from God. And they're like, mm -hmm, no. <laughs> Don't believe it. Right? In this passage, it talks about Jesus, the light of the world. He claims to be the light of the world. At the end of the chapter, he says, do you believe in the Son of Man, which is a term of deity? Jesus is showing himself to be the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the Lord. And Jesus is Lord was actually the creed of the early church. Um, Peter says it in the first sermon of the church. He says, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. So Lord being Lord of our life, Lord of the new kingdom that he brought, Christ being our Savior from our sins. God has made both Lord and Christ. Romans 10, 9, Paul says that if you confess with your mouth and quotes Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So where am I getting at with this? What I'm getting at is where am I not letting Jesus be Lord of my life? Where am I not letting Jesus be Lord of my life? You guys ever heard the phrase, make him your uh, personal Lord and Savior? Personal Lord and Savior. I think one of the most obvious ways that spiritual blindness can creep into our lives, those of us who are claiming to follow Jesus, is by claiming Him as Lord, but or claiming Him as Savior, but denying Him as Lord. Right? Saying, I need Him to save me from my sins, and I acknowledge that. I'm a sinner without Him. I can't save myself. I claim that He's my Lord. I mean, He's my Savior. <laughs> He's my Savior. Right? But we claim him as Savior. But if you look at that, that doesn't require anything of us. Right? Savior is all about him and it's all about his work. And I'm not arguing with that. He is our Savior. It is all about him and it is his work to save us. But he's also our Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Savior doesn't require anything of us. Lord requires everything from us. Lord is saying he brought a new kingdom. That's what he announced. He said that the time is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. He came to bring a whole new way of doing life. And by saying Jesus is Lord, which is the creed of the early church, 
and the creed of Rome at that time was Caesar is Lord. Right? So this is one of the reasons they're hated, is because they wouldn't say Jesus is Lord, but they would or they wouldn't say Caesar is Lord, but they would say Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of my life, and what he has done to come save me from sin out of darkness merits my whole life. Yeah. It's not enough to just give him lip service and say, thank you for saving me, but then keep on in the darkness that you saved me from. It's not enough to say, thank you for being my Savior, but I'm going to still be the Lord of my life. That makes sense? There's something that happens when we come to Jesus where we lay down the, the right or the privilege or whatever it is that we've mistakenly taken on to be Lord of our own lives. Where we give back the fruit that we took in the beginning and says, I want to know good and evil and decide it for myself and be like God. Right? And now he says, no, you're Lord. You made me. You know what's best for me. Your, your picture of eternity is the picture I want. I lay down my will for your will because your will is better. And because you saved me from everything my will got me into. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jesus is Lord, and so I think one of the most glaring ways that we as Christians can be walking in spiritual blindness is when we accept Him as Savior, but deny Him as Lord, and whatever it may be, whether it's your home life, whether it's your relationship with your spouse, whether it's your sex life, whether it's your finances, whether it's giving, whether it's when gossip is around you and you choose or choose not to take part in it. When it comes to serving others and laying down your own desires and wants so that you can serve others. When it comes to forgiving those that hurt us. Yeah. Is Jesus just our Savior? Or is He also our Lord who commands us to forgive those who hurt us? Let me back up a little bit. Which way is better? Which way actually leads to life? It's Him. Him being Lord. Him being our Savior and our Lord. And so often in the moment, and I confess this, and I hope that many of you will today, so often in the moment, it just seems right to us to deny Him as Lord and to do what we want, what we feel in our hearts. Or what we decided is already, we've already decided is best for us. He argues with it. Well, you can be my Savior then. Not just my Lord. Is it better to ask for forgiveness than permission? Not with Jesus. Not with Jesus. It's actually better for you when you ask permission. Jesus has called us and Jesus calls out the Pharisees in this passage. It's, he he kind of makes them look like idiots, right? It's like, I'm going to heal a guy in a way that you've never seen before. And still not from God, right? Okay. All right. But, but what he ends up saying is, you, the fact that you're blind isn't even the biggest issue. It's the fact that you're blind and claim to see because not only are you hurting yourself, you're leading others astray, right? But the reason Jesus calls them out is not just to make them look dumb. It's not just for us to read this passage a bunch of years later and be like, 
man, but I'm not like the Pharisees. I know who Jesus is. Right? No, the reason we have this picture is because of God's great love for us. Because he knows that the darkness and the blindness in our own hearts is so stinking bad for us. Arkansas just came out. So stinking bad. Compared to the life and the joy and the peace and the strength and the comfort and the true eternal life that starts now and goes on into eternity that he has come to give us freely. He's come not to just condemn us in our blindness, but to save us from our blindness. Man. Anyone excited about that? Yeah. Praise God for that. I want to share um, just a couple stories where I've seen this in my own life. Uh, seen kind of spiritual blindness to my own actions show up, alright? So, this is where I sound like a really bad human, okay? So, it's alright, because I am without the grace of God. Uh, so, one, one, uh, one story is, and alright, so I've been married to my beautiful, lovely, outstanding wife, Hannah, um, for just over six months now, and I think we're at that point where I get to use stories from um, <laughs> sermons. I've always you know, look forward to that as a preacher. No, but I think uh, I, early on, um, early on, we're still early on, but the first few months of our marriage, you know, we're getting used to like being together a lot more, right? Like being around each other like all the time. And obviously, like arguments come up. Discussions come up, heated discussions, <laughs> and um, you know. And I want to, I want to say this from the outset that some of you guys have heard that phrase, like you can, you can be right or you can be happy. Um, and I'm gonna like set that back right now. I don't want you to chalk this up to that. Well, Kenny, yeah, you should just, yeah, you can just be right or you can be happy. No, but I want to say that it became apparent to me in some of our arguments that I was just being a jerk. <laughs> I was being really harsh, you know? And on top of being really harsh, I didn't feel the need to apologize, right? So it was like layers of jerkness, right? <laughs> like, and, and then, like, and, and God used Hannah to, like, make that clear to me, right? Or at least to shine a light on it. I don't even, I can't, I don't even know how the details of it, but I became aware of it through how I was uh, being mean to her that I was being mean to her, and yet feeling like I was in the right. Like, feeling like I didn't have to apologize for what started the argument or for the way I argued during the argument, right? And then, like, God shined a light on that. And it, was, and it was an area of blindness because in my mind, and I think I even said this out loud, like, I don't see myself as a jerk. <laughs> but yet here I am being a jerk to my wife, the person closest to me, right? And thank God that by the Holy Spirit and by her, my eyes were open so that I could repent. And still am having to grow and learn and repenting. Right? But thank God for that. Because imagine if God hadn't opened my eyes to that. I mean, think the commandments of Jesus to be, to be loving, 
and to be self-sacrificial and to be gentle and to be kind and to be humble. In those moments, was I doing any of those? Apparently <laughs> <laughs> not. Okay? I was not doing those. And yet, that is an undeniable, absolutely clear teaching of Jesus that's for my good and for his glory and for her good. And yet, I was going against it. And what did it bring? It didn't bring good. <laughs> right? And yet, repenting and turning to God and, that, and continuing to grow in that is bringing good. It is bringing life. We are having better discussions. Any discussions? Another one would be for me um, just an idea of giving. And there's been times in my life when. Um, when my heart and my attitude and behavior has been more consistent in giving to God, giving to the church, giving to his mission across the world. But there have been other times where, you know, I didn't have enough money to fix my cracked windshield and I'm struggling to pay for rent and I'm not sure each month that it's all going to be there in time. And I'm working 12-hour days. And in that, I can take a teaching of God to give for my first fruits with a cheerful heart. And just the, the Old Testament rule was, you know, give at least 10%. And the New Testament rule, there wasn't really a rule, was, oh yeah, sell your house. <laughs> bless other Christians in need with it and bless the church so the gospel can go forth, right? And I would take something that was very clear and something that Jesus talked about more than anything else, which is money and giving. And I, I would self-justify and say, you know what, I feel like, I, you know, I just can't afford, I need, I'm going to need to do this first. got to take care of this, right? And I would hold back, and one of the ways I would hold back is even just not even giving regularly, so like still like mentally saying, oh yeah, I give, I give to God, I give to the church. But like, you know, six weeks here, and then two weeks here, and then nine weeks here, and then before you know it, like I forgot like three paychecks, and it's like, oh yeah, Jesus be my Savior, but not my Lord in that. Right? Yeah. And yet, it was through some conversations with others and through just the Holy Spirit's work in my heart that I can, got convicted of this, and I decided, you know what? I feel led not just to get 10%, but to get 15%. Right when I get paid. To God. And, and what I started doing was giving 10% to the church and giving 5% to missions or, or just friends that I knew that were in need. And here's what I'll tell you. My heart... Even though I, there might have been less in my bank account, my heart went from a scarcity mindset, yeah. and I want, I want, I want, and I can't afford, to an abundance mindset. Of everything I have, God has given me. He can do more with 85% of my income than I can do with 100% of it, yeah. or even if I got a raise. He could, he could do more with it. My heart was more generous. My heart was more giving. I was blind and walking in blindness and self-justifying it yeah. in ways that made sense to me. But it was against God and it was against His Word. And I was blind. And I had to have my eyes open. Thank God that His way is better than ours. He's the light of the world that leads to life. And He calls us out of our darkness that leads to death so that He can give us life. And life and life. So... I want to wrap up. I'm almost done. I don't know how long I've been. I want to make sure I'm not. Okay.
Yes, come right now. <laughs> so we can find out where we might be spiritually blind by asking that question, where are we turning the light off? Or where am I arguing with Jesus and his teachings? But what if we can't see that on our own? Right? What happens when we can't tell within ourselves? And I'm so glad that you asked. Because that's the next point, my sermon. God has given us uh, this great word and reality called fellowship. We have fellowship with one another. It means we're brothers and sisters in the same family of God. God's our Father. We have fellowship with one another. I have a scripture I want to read uh, from 1 John chapter 1. It's just this idea that God has given us each other to help us walk in the light. If you're bold enough, you can say to your neighbor, God gave me you. God gave me you. God's given us each other. 1 John 1, 5 through 10. I know that was awkward. (laughs) It's all right. Uh, Let's read it. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, right? So if we claim him as Savior, but we're still walking in our own darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. This next part. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Just like Jesus said, if it was just that you were blind, you wouldn't be as guilty. But it's because you're blind and you claim to see, your guilt remains on you. Right? Different book, same author. Right? But if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Look at the grace of God, that as soon as we say, I have sinned, as soon as when we're confronted with where we're still living in darkness, or where we're arguing with Jesus, as soon as we're confronted with that, if we say, yeah, Yeah. I've been blind, I've sinned, I need help, Jesus will purify us. Mm. He gave his own blood to save us. To pay for the debt of our sins that we can never repay. But if we claim that, no, I'm good. We're cutting ourselves off from forgiveness. We're cutting ourselves off from life. We're choosing to remain in darkness. And one of the biggest instrumental things here is not just the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of God through fellowship. With one another. So that's the question. Where am I turning the light off? And then secondly, who am I walking with? Who am I walking with? Can you answer that today? Who am I walking in the light with? Who is there, whether it's in this room or not, who knows enough about my life to, they can speak into me if I'm off track? And then second, am I going to listen to them when they speak Am I going to heed this warning and, and cling to the, the, the purification and the forgiveness and the love that Jesus offers? Or am I going to choose to stay in darkness? 
It's such a grace that God's given us that. And that God's given us one another. Anyone ever experienced that? You know, I've seen, I've been in ministry long enough to see both. I've seen people get called out and refuse to repent. And I've seen people get called out and repent immediately. You want to know which one goes better for them, for their life? You want to know which one leads to flourishing and growth and change? Versus you want to know which one just leads you to turn inward? And relationships to end and things to go wrong. The issue bigger bigger than our blindness is if we claim that we can see. We keep claiming we can see. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The gospel here is that even though we were steeped in blindness, just like this man is sort of, we were blind from birth, apart from God, walking in darkness, that though he was the light of the world, he willingly stepped into the darkness, that he was placed in a dark, cold tomb after giving his life for us, and yet even that darkness couldn't overpower him. Even all the sin of the world all the depth of the world, the light of the world shone through. And that's why we're here today. That's why we have hope today. That's why we have forgiveness today. That's why He is our Savior and our Lord. Amen? Amen. At the end of that chapter, um, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and He found the man who had been healed. He said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Which was a a term, of, a term of deity. That's how Jesus referred to himself. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And even the guy who healed didn't know. He said, who is he, sir? Even though he can see now, he still spiritually doesn't know who Jesus is. Tell me so I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. What was the man's response? Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Imagine the experience of that man who had never been able to see his entire life. Childhood, adolescence, adulthood. Think of how much it affected in his life. It affects his career, it affects his relationships, it affects him being able to be independent versus dependent, it affects everything. And yet Jesus is here, and he gets to see the Son of Man. He gets to see Jesus, and he couldn't help but worship. In the same way, on our own, there's a crushing weight of darkness and blindness and sin that changes everything about our life for the worse. And yet Jesus has come to us and says, I'm the light. I'm the light. It's me. Do you believe in the Son of Man? May we say, may we say yes. May we say yes. May we have the courage to ask the Holy Spirit, where am I turning the light off? May we have the humility and boldness it takes to walk with one another in the light. May we look at Jesus and his ways and say, 
Lord, I believe. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray and we're going to move into just a time of responding through uh, communion and then uh, ending with one worship song. And uh, we'll have some questions to walk through um, for communion. Um, if it's your first time here uh, and you have your hope for salvation is in Jesus Christ, feel free to come join us for communion. If you're here and you have not yet believed in Jesus, um, just come and listen in. Um, it's, it's for those who partake who have said, this, is, this symbolizes my hope for salvation. So it really is for people who believe in Jesus. But we want you to come and listen in and hear what's going on. Um, I would encourage smaller groups today, groups of two or three, because um, maybe you'll really be able to work through some of these questions, and maybe as you answer these questions, you don't want to announce it to six people. So um, we have some questions up there. Let me say a word of prayer in conclusion. Father, we thank you so much for this time uh, to come together as believers. God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you with all our hearts, with our lives, God. And Jesus, we just thank you so much that you truly are the light, God. You are the light of the world. And, and Lord, your word in John 1 says that the light that gives life to everyone had come into the world, and yet even though you had made the world, the world did not receive you. The world rejected you, God. And even in our own hearts, apart from your grace, we would reject you too. And yet... In that same passage, it says, As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. Lord, what amazing grace that you have given us, God. What amazing, incredible, unfathomable grace, Lord, that you have poured on us today, that we who are blind and in darkness, God, could be called daughters and sons of God. Lord, I pray that we would take hold of that. I pray that you would keep us from arrogance that, that would creep up in our hearts and say, no, I know a better way than Jesus would. Or anything that would say, no, I want to be Lord of my own life still. Jesus can just be my Savior. God, I pray that we would proclaim you as Savior and Lord. I pray that you would speak to our hearts today and let us be different uh, by a move and a work of your Holy Spirit that only you can do and only you can work. We love you. We thank you so much, Jesus. In your name.